For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What if I told you before the game yesterday that Stanford would only give up 21 points against Oregon, would largely bottle up the Ducks, and not give up any serious stretches of big plays against Oregon really all afternoon long? You would have said Stanford had a great shot of winning, right? Well... It's the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. It is Sunday, September 22nd, 2019. I'm Troy Clarity. Thanks for being here with us as we're breaking down Stanford football's latest game. An interesting result, one that I don't think went quite the way many people thought it might. But unfortunately, it was the same result, the same end result that a lot of people thought that, that Stanford would have against Oregon. A loss. 16th ranked Ducks beating the Cardinal 21-6. to on a steamy Saturday afternoon at Stanford. We're here to break it down for you. You're going to hear thoughts from David Shaw. You're going to hear from K.J. Costello, the Stanford quarterback, and a couple of Stanford defensive members, defensive lineman Jovan Swan. Good to see him back on the field for a full game. And Stanford safety Malik Antoine. We will break it all down with help from those gentlemen. A couple of quick reminders before we dive into the program. I'm Troy Clarity. Follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. I always appreciate that. You got thoughts on Stanford football. I'm always willing to listen to them and take them. Best way to do is also on Twitter, hashtag TreeCast, hashtag TreeCast. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And pretty much get the show anywhere you get your favorite podcast from. Just about anywhere uh, that you uh, get your uh, favorite podcast from. And hopefully this is one of them you can find. The TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Well, walking into the stadium on Saturday afternoon, a lot of folks thought that given how Stanford's defense had performed largely for the last couple of weeks uh, leading into the game against the Ducks, that Justin Herbert and Oregon would just come in and roll over Stanford from start to finish. And we talked about this on the TreeCast previewing the game last week, and I said, look, point blank, this game, the burden of proof rests on the Stanford defense after, let's face it, some pretty terrible football on the part of the Stanford defense against uh, USC for the final three quarters of that game and against UCF for especially the first half of that game. I thought the burden of proof was on the Stanford defense to prove that it could hold Oregon down. Guess what? It did. But the Stanford offense picked an awful time to not show up. And Stanford's passing attack may have been doomed almost right from the start. We'll get to that in a few moments. But first, we need to get you the three things you need to know about Stanford football right now. So let's begin with number one. 
Well, Stanford's defense, kudos to them. And, and, and a big shout out to those guys for their performance. Oregon, of course, a very high-powered team. Justin Herbert, a terrific quarterback. Uh, C.J. Verdell, a nice running back, versatile. They've got weapons outside, a very cohesive offensive line, even though they are missing uh, their starting center for uh, this game against Stanford. But but overall, you looked at what you Oregon had on paper, and you looked at what Stanford put down on paper, and, and you would have thought that it was it was a mismatch in squarely in, in, in Oregon's favor. That did not prove to be the case. David Shaw thought that, for the most part, the Stanford defense passed the test against Oregon. Uh, that's a very, very good football team. And at times tonight, we didn't let them move the ball. Thought we played it really well up front on the defensive line. Our linebackers, like Casey Tuhill, was outstanding. Got pressure on the quarterback. Did a great job against the run at times. Um, and then three times during the course of the game, guys that are wide open. That's inexcusable. Yeah, it, it certainly wasn't flawless. That first touchdown was tough to watch. Busted coverage, Jalen Red taking the 36 yards to the house and uh, giving Oregon a 7-3 lead that they, they never looked back from there. Overall, Stanford defense surpassing certainly my expectations that I quite honestly had of them coming into this one. Oregon running backs, 25 carries, 87 yards, no touchdowns. They had the running game pretty bottled up for really the entire afternoon. Oregon's running backs, their longest run of the day was just 11 yards, and that didn't come until the fourth quarter. Casey Tuhill, a monster, two sacks. Jordan Fox, Tomas Schaffer with the sack apiece. Andrew Pritz flying all over the place. Good to see him back on the field. Well, he had eight tackles. Gabe Reed, Michael Williams, those two young men flashed at points throughout the game. It was nice to see. Now, granted, Justin Herbert did still complete 19 to 24 for 259 and three touchdowns. So again, it wasn't flawless, but it was much better, much better than certainly what the Stanford defense put down on tape against UCF and USC. Big improvement in that direction. Let's get to number two. David Shaw likes to play defense and field position games. He got the defense. Defense, for the most part, showed up against the Oregon Ducks. Field position, not so much. That went against the Cardinal in a major, major way against the Ducks. I'll give you the numbers in just a moment, but for some context, uh, let's hear David Shaw. I asked him for his thoughts on how critical field position was to the outcome on Saturday. It was huge. Um, I, I told the guys last week, the only equation that I think really matters in football is field position plus momentum equals points. And I heard that when I was a young coach, and it's proven to be true. And if you can't ever flip the field position by an explosive play or by a special teams play, um, then it becomes difficult because you're playing in your own, your own backyard and all they have to do is make a couple of plays in their, in their scoring position, whether it's touchdown or field goal. Uh, so, uh, you know, not, not being able to punch the ball out when we have the ball back there, and then not being able to get a turnover, uh, get a big return, get something that puts the ball back on their side, you know, get a, get a huge punt, and then a stop on third down. We got a couple of nice punts today, we really did. We got them in third down, third and medium, third and long, and then we let them out. And 
now it's not just they got the first down. Even if we stop them, they're going to punt and get us back down inside the 20-yard line. Um, so uh, we were not what we wanted to be in field position today. Yeah, and just to put the numbers behind David Shaw's thoughts there, Stanford, on average, started its drives on its own 19-yard line. That's not very good. Now, what makes it even worse, what makes it even more frustrating, is that Stanford, on average, their drives ended at their own 37. Terrible field position. There was a stretch in the third quarter where they had three start drives in a row, drive starts in a row, that started their own eight, their own eight, and their own 10. A couple of unfortunate decisions from Michael Wilson as he was uh, as he was fielding punts, took one at his own three-yard line, got back to the 10. That could be a return for seven yards, but still, don't catch punts at your own three-yard line. And he made a couple more, I, I thought, unfortunate uh, decisions um, in that respect as well. So Stanford special teams not exactly helping out the field position game uh, from that standpoint. But, you know, Stanford just could not sustain drives. They got penalties that really, uh, you know, they will get an initial first down and then all of a sudden get a big time penalty to back them back up. And then they have to punt at around their own 30 yard line or so. And Oregon would have decent field position to do what it needed to do. Kudos again to the defense for holding on for the most part, as long as it did. But when your own drives are ending on average on your own 37 yard line, no bueno, no bueno. All right, let's wrap up our three things with three. It has become a hallmark and a trademark of Stanford football, certainly through the David Shaw era, that when losses occur, and they do in college football, and fans panic and the media panics, the coaches stay the same. The coaches stay even keel. And even though this was the third loss in a row for Stanford football, the first time that's ever happened under David Shaw's watch as the head coach of this program. David Shaw, after the game, pretty even killed. And in fact, if you're looking to push the panic button, he's not. I'm not gonna hit, hit the panic button. I don't have a panic button. There's no panic button. There is focusing on what we need to focus on, make sure we have guys in position to do their jobs, make sure we have the right guys in there to do those jobs. Trust the character of this football team. Trust our work ethic. I trust our resilience. We've been down before. Um, going back on the road again. Another tough environment to play. But once again, it's not about the opponent. That's not been the issue this entire year. It's about our execution um, and playmaking. That's David Shaw, and that's really about what I expected him to say. And look, I don't. You know, they've lost three in a row. They're now one and three on the season. Obviously not where they want to be right now. And look, even so, and even as frustrating as each of those losses have been, you know, I don't expect David Shaw to act like, like, uh, remember, the, remember Aliens? Remember Hudson after the dropship crashes? Before they before they can pick him up and before they can before they can nuke the site from orbit and Hudson's all holding up the piece of smoldering wreckage and going game over man game over no David Shaw's not going to do that that's just not who he is and throughout much of its history Stanford has been at its best when they don't push the panic button 
every it, it's it might be hysteria on the message boards i'm sure it is i haven't checked i tend not to ch check message boards immediately after games i usually prefer to go home take a sleep on it and then form my own opinions from there just to make sure that everything gels it's it, it, it might be hysteria in the media but it's probably not hysteria in the coach's office they're not going to panic however the big question here is can they adapt? More on that in a second. But those are three things. Um, some injury tidbits. I mean, I, I guess they're kind of notes more or less. Uh, Devery Hamilton left the game for a moment. That was a bit alarming, but he came back rather quickly, uh, missing a couple of plays at most. Casey Tuhill spent time in the tent uh, and was uh, later taken to the locker room. And uh, Foster Sorrell a bit banged up as uh, he was tended to late in that game while Stanford was trying to desperation drive to make the game closer in the fourth quarter. David Shaw did not provide updates on any of those guys, uh, particularly Hill uh, or Foster Sorrell, after the game was done. I'm sure we will learn more when uh, Shaw holds his weekly press conference on Tuesday late morning. So just wanted to... Uh, uh, get you up to speed on those things as we stand right now. Now, as well as the defense played, unfortunately, I, I don't think that that is what this game is going to be remembered for. This game is going to be remembered as the first time in almost three years that Stanford did not manage a touchdown on offense. For that, you have to, the previous time you have to go back to to that game against Colorado, that 10-5 result. Ooh, what a stinker that was. Yuck. And as, as rough as, as Saturday's game was to watch against Oregon, it was still a million times more aesthetically pleasing than that game against Colorado three years ago. Ooh, that was, that was gnarly. By the way, it was kind of jarring to watch Stanford versus Oregon and watch those two teams put up only 27 points, then to come home and watch UCLA, Washington State do what they did. I can't believe that happened. 50 points. 50 points for UCLA in the final 18 minutes of game time. How long would it have taken Stanford to score 50 points yesterday? How long would they have had to play for the Cardinal to have put up half a hundred on the scoreboard yesterday? That, that would, have, would have taken a while, but... This game's going to be remembered for the futility of the offense. And it was ugly. Uh, it, it started off pretty nice. 12 plays, 61 yards, but it ended on a field goal. And right then you do, you're like, ah, boy, six points would have been awesome there. Would have been so much better. Would have been so much nicer to get six points against a team like Oregon than to get just three. Well, that was as close as Stanford got to scoring until the fourth quarter. After that field goal drive, Stanford's remaining possessions went like this. Punt, 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 punt. Interception, field goal, downs, downs. Six punts in a row as Stanford struggled with field position, struggled with itself, and struggled with a passing attack that refused, it seemed, to go downfield, and when it did, the passes were, were almost woefully, it seemed at times, off target from K.J. Costello. And I'm in the radio booth during the course of the game, and I, I, Scott Reese, the play-by-play -play man, is to my left, Todd Huzak, uh, the analyst, and the former Stanford quarterback is off to my right. So we're watching the game, and we're watching things unfold, and we're watching Stanford's passing attack almost literally refuse to go downfield, take shots downfield, 
and passes that wit that did go downfield land well out of bounds. And we're all sitting there going, something's not right. Something's not right. Well, what we had missed was that KJ had apparently hit his hand on somebody's helmet very early on that opening drive for Stanford. We had missed that. We, we suspected something might be up, and I did not get that confirmed until talking to KJ Costello after the game. Here's KJ, a bit of his media scrum, and it starts with him being a bit bummed out about him suffering that, that, that bang up to his thumb and kind of perhaps sabotaging the Stanford passing attack before it could really get going. I mean, you know, it's, can't catch a break right now, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just, um, bro, back to a year and a half, same exact thing happened, you know? Um, really felt like I get all into football, you know? Did it in the SC game, you know, did it again today. Um, found a way, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, uh, it's football number one, you know, you gotta expect things like that. Um, but you hope, you know, you find rhythms at different times and, you know, I felt like we were kind of about to start to get going in terms of the energy and practice all week and a lot of the things we've been focusing on and then boom, first drive down there driving in the red zone, first pass, boom, you know, I mean, that's, that's not fun, you know, it's just, um, but what are you going to do? You know, you can't, you can't, there's no legit excuse in that scenario. You know, I mean, I could grip it enough to throw it, you know, um, was semi-effective in certain situations. Um, but, you know, we got guys playing banged up all over, so I feel like I got to do my part. Your thoughts on the offensive line and how they uh, performed up there today? I mean, I felt pretty clean outside of that, you know, outside of that, which it wasn't even a, a free hit, free hitter, you know. I, I don't know. I've got to watch the tape. I don't know if it was my offensive lineman or a D lineman. You know, I mean, I felt like I could have done a lot of really good things out there today. Um, playing it in a pocket clean like that, I mean, body feels great. You know, from last week to this week, you know, I mean, I'd love to go out and play again if I could. You know, I mean, it's just they did plenty good. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm watching a lot of the safeties in the back end, but they did a hell of a job. You know, I mean, they did uh, – I, I told them after the game. So, you guys, I don't, I don't know about the run game and, and things outside of, you know, what I'm looking at. But you guys did a hell of a job in uh, pass pro. How frustrating is it to when you, when you, you know, coach pointed the execution, everyone's saying, you know, we, we kind of made them – had our chances but didn't take advantage of them. Yeah, you know, it's frustrating. I mean, we all sacrifice a lot. You guys all understand. I mean, you know, we've been doing this for a long time now. We spend the bulk of our, you know, lives preparing for games like this. So, I mean, it definitely hurts. But, I mean, you know, Coach Shaw said something at the end of, you know, at the, end of the game. Um, you know, this really is a time where your true character shines. I mean, I'm not going to complain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, got to come to work, go line up next week um, and figure something out. That's KJ Costello. And yeah, I mean, who, who knows? Who knows how different things might have looked for Stanford offensively in the passing game, uh, if not for that? Because it was it was relatively clear by the second quarter that, Co that Costello just could not throw the ball necessarily down the field. And it was, you know, I, I was standing there uh, in, in front of KJ, as, as you heard, um, his uh, media availability after the game. And I was kind of looking at his hands a little bit. And his left hand, one of his fingers was bruised up. You know, one of his fingernails was bruised up. His other hand, his right hand, his passing hand, he was kind of hiding it a little bit. I, I couldn't really see it. He kept, his, he kept his right hand in the fist balled up at his side. And he also kept his right hand behind his back as well. So I didn't get a good look at it. And that's probably by design. 
but still rather frustrating overall for Costello and the Stanford offense. And yeah, they're going to go back to work and try to figure things out. And they need to figure out ways to get guys open. They need to figure out ways to put their wide receivers in advantageous positions. Todd Huzak talked about this a lot during the radio broadcast yesterday. It seemed that whenever a ball went towards a Stanford receiver, it was contested by an Oregon defender. Guys were not wide open. And look, give some credit to Oregon defensively. Don't forget the other team's trying to win too. But still, it's frustrating when Stanford wide receivers are having to make contested catches basically just about every time, while Stanford's opponents, their wide receivers, are running free and guys are open. It's frustrating to see how that dichotomy has shaken out, especially over the last couple of weeks. And that came to the fore again on Saturday against the Ducks. They need to find ways to get guys open. I mean, Tucker Fisk had a nice catch uh, for a first down uh, in that game. But earlier in the game, they're throwing his way, and they're like two dudes on him. I'm not sure that that, that Tucker Fisk is the, the, best, uh, the best safety valve for you in the passing game. Kobe Parkinson, by the way, zero receptions. That was shocking. That was shocking. They did a great job, the Ducks did, on, on bottling him up. But that was still still rather shocking. And Parkinson... Every time the ball went his way, he was contested. Stanford's got to find a way to, to get receivers open. Even screens were contested, right? Even screen passes were, were contested. Is going no huddle again the answer? Is that the answer? We saw it last year, particularly against Washington State. The game that was last year. And KJ seems to be in a bit more of a rhythm when the Cardinal go no huddle all the time, when they ratchet up the tempo. Now, I, I get against a team like Oregon, as high-flying as they can be, uh, you don't necessarily want to give, give your defense more time on the field than they absolutely positively need. Oregon only snapped the ball 54 times, by the way. That's got to be, be a low for them. A recent memory low. So maybe in a sense, no going no huddle against the Ducks uh, might not necessarily be the correct idea from that sense. But going forward, is it the right move to make? I would certainly consider it because this offense seems to, and they do well in the running game, again, but they need to make big throws. They need to be, make, make big plays in the passing game. That's where college football is these days. I would consider, I'm not an offensive coordinator, but I play one sometimes in the podcast host role. I would seriously consider perhaps ratcheting up the tempo and going no huddle, certainly a lot more often, and, and doing that going forward. Gets KJ in the rhythm a bit more. And, and we, we kind of saw it against Northwestern in that first half, right? Where, where KJ completed 11 straight passes, Finished the day 16-20, didn't perhaps necessarily get downfield as much as I would have liked in that game, but still established a bit of a rhythm. A rhythm that, for the most part, the Stanford offense has not had. They haven't been in a rhythm since the first quarter against USC. By the way, I would have liked to have seen more Austin Jones 
see see more of him. I'd like to see more of that uh, going forward, certainly as well. That that would be nice. What what a young, what a weapon that young man can be. So when they go back to the lab and look at the film of this one and try to assess where where things are and how to how to move forward from here, I hope that they give serious consideration to featuring more no huddle going forward. I would. Defensively, Stanford played as well as you could probably expect, especially considering what they did the previous two weeks. And that front seven worked its tail off. Extremely impressive overall from front to back as well. Again, had its struggles. Look, Oregon's going to get theirs. They're going to get their big plays. But it wasn't the avalanche, right? It wasn't the snowball rolling down the mountain that many folks thought it might be. I was talking to someone before the game, and they said, look, Oregon's going to win by 50. I didn't necessarily rule it out, but, man, I still wasn't quite expecting what I saw from Stanford defensively. And hopefully they keep that going for the remainder of the season. Fine effort. Fine effort against the Oregon Ducks. And it was good to see Jovan Swan back on the field. Only lasted four plays last week, or only four plays against uh, UCF as he got kicked out of that game for targeting. An unfortunate development, one that certainly set the tone for Stanford in Orlando a couple weeks ago. But Swan, in in the entire game for this one, and he in the defensive line and the front seven as a whole, I, I thought played as well as you could reasonably expect. Jovan Swan, after the game, talked with us in the media, and he began with his assessment of how things went for the Cardinal defense. I think the defense did, you know, a pretty good job. You know, we have, you know, some fixes to make, but just to be able to play fast, play physical, um, limit them in the rushing game, and, you know, do something right, you know, it's just... You know, to, to know that your hard work, is, hard work is paid off, it's a it's a big deal to me. Um, Coach Ross talked a lot this season and off season about the front seven making plays in the backfield. That was probably more apparent today than, than maybe any single game this season so far. What do you think went right that way? I think we just worked together well. Um, I think we got a lot of experience up front. Um, as you can see, we've got Casey Tua leading the charge. Um, on the edge and just love to you know play with guys like that that just you know have that built-in confidence and um, are willing to help us out you know across the board um, it doesn't matter who we put in there we know that and we're confident in our you know our practice and our preparation that we can go out there and stop whatever they have to bring to us it's been a struggle for, for the defense the last couple of weeks how important was it to bounce back with a performance like this uh, today and what does it tell you about yourselves as a defensive unit um, it just tells us that, you know, hard work pays off. And we've been, you know, working really hard this offseason with um, our front seven and making sure that we work together hard and, you know, we're able to stop the run, defend the run, and earn the right to rush the passer. Um, and as you see that, you know, the story holds true. Um, you know, a couple slip-ups here and there, but every team makes mistakes, and we just got to get back to the drawing boards and fix those things. What do you sense from this team right now? I know it's, the loss is really fresh, but... What do you sense in terms of what is going to happen going forward with this group? Um, we've been trained to compartmentalize, you know, things like this. Um, a loss is a loss, and I, I hate to lose at home. 
but uh, everybody's focused on you know what's to come and what we got to bring on Monday, um, and especially tomorrow in our recovery. So um, we're really focused and ready and determined to finish the season out strong. Um, we wanted to start that tonight, but clearly it wasn't it wasn't good enough, and we're ready to get back after it. For you personally, was there any extra juice knowing that you know last week you only lasted four plays before the target and call? Was there any extra juice for you personally to uh, to, to to turn things around out there today? Absolutely. Um, just wanted to cause havoc in the backfield. Um, I still feel like I didn't do enough, but um, to know that my teammates were able to make plays is, you know, makes me content with, uh, you know, how we played as a whole. But yeah, I definitely get, had a little extra juice. Um, wanted to, you know, make sure I played it fairly and uh, played fast and played physical, and that's all I had. All our coach. Uh, Dyron Reynolds asked from us, and I think we delivered that today. Jovan Swan, great to have him back, as uh, he is a uh, he's a bit of a force. He can be a bit of a force um, in the middle. But as he mentioned, even though perhaps it was a bit of a quiet game by his by by by, by his standards, he still got a lot of help from his friends, and Stanford controlled the line of scrimmage, or at the very least, it was a stalemate. Oregon never really got a great push in the running game, and they certainly got confounded. Lance Anderson dialing up up some stuff blitz-wise throughout the course of that game. And it is so critical, so critical to win the line of scrimmage against the Ducks. It's so critical, especially in the middle. If you've got a guy who can clog things up in the middle and control the middle, and prevent those runs from going going straight up the gut and to just blow things up, help guys get to the mesh point of the handoff between the quarterback and the running back when they're running that when they're running that read option. That opens up a lot of things for you and it really helps point the way. You know, think back to 2012, how Stanford won that game up at Oregon. They won it by controlling the line of scrimmage and because was it was it Josh Perry, I believe it was, because he was able to just hold his own, and the entire defense was able to rotate around him. Similar things I thought at work uh, for Stanford against the Ducks last week. Uh, For the most part, they were able to hold their own at the line of scrimmage. Oregon running backs never really broke loose. And that front seven, I thought, thought did quite well. Secondary. I mean, look. I would have once again another another opposing quarterback for for, uh, for Stanford uh, completes about eighty percent of his passes. That's not good. That's not that's not optimal. But still, a better game from them as well overall. David Shaw was was pretty quick to to shout out, you know, the the, the secondary to start off when he was talking about um, some things that uh, improved greatly uh, from last week to this for Stanford defensively. Malik Antoine, the uh, safety for Stanford, caught up with us in the media after the game. Let's listen in to a few of Malik's thoughts. Overall, defensively, what went right for you guys? What could have gone better? Uh, I think we'll look at the tape and say that uh, overall we played a great game, you know, but playing a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you can't make any mistakes on the back end. So uh, just, just off the top of my head, I know the two big touchdowns we gave, gave up came from a bust in the secondary, you know, so... And quarterback like that, he's going to find those guys. So I would say, like, overall, it's a good game, but it's always frustrating. We leave a little meat on the bone. We leave a little – some stones unturned. In terms of frustration, three in a row hasn't happened in the David Shaw era. How are you guys feeling in the confidence level of this team right now? 
Uh, for me, I'm, I'm always confident in this team, you know. I think the team feels that too, you know. Um, but going into this next week, it's like you have to really look internally, look, look at yourself first, no time to point fingers, you know. Because I think collectively as a group, no one's playing up to their full potential, you know. So it's first off, it's just looking at yourself, getting better, watching this tape, evaluating, getting better. And then going into this next week and making it your best week of practice ever, you know. Because at this point, backs against the wall, we just have to work. We have to work really hard to get back. Kyle Kelly got his first start. What have you seen from the freshman? Oh, he's a really good player. Um, he's confident, he's fast, he's physical, and he covers well, you know. So I'm really excited about his development, about his play, you know. Um, he's one of my favorite guys on the team, you know. He just works really hard, keeps his head down, and just just does his thing, you know, out there. You, you can feel it when he's out there. He's excited, he's happy, he's just happy to play. We're seeing a lot more of McGill as well. Right. What have you seen from him? Uh, you know, I've always said he's a, he's a ball player. You know, you can tell he's been around ball for a long, long time, you know. When his first game is playing a lot of nickel, he gets a touchdown, you know, so that's always big time. But he's a heck of a ball player. He loves making plays, loves being around the ball, and just loves bringing that energy to the team. Yeah, young guys continue to do well. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly was a guy that uh, David Shaw singled out, uh, the freshman cornerback, um, for his performance um, after the game. Didn't see a lot of Obi Ebo, if any at all. I'm trying to remember if I saw number 22 out there uh, yeah, uh, on, on Saturday, and and I don't remember seeing him out there. So Caillou Blue Kelly, it was pretty much, uh, it seemed his show opposite Paulson Adebo. And Jonathan McGill, you heard my question to Malik Antoine about him. Antoine continues to, to grow and to improve from week to week. So some, some areas of, of the secondary that that have been shaky to this point might be starting to stabilize just a little bit. That is certainly something that needs to trend upwards for the Cardinal going forward. So Stanford's one and three on the year. And what have we got? Well, we've got an offense that still struggles to make big plays, game-changing plays, game-deciding plays. It's been a struggle for them really all year long. And I really think that that there has been only one quarter, only one quarter all year where Stanford has played well offensively. And it was that first quarter at USC. Man, I thought Stanford was going to roll after what I saw in that first quarter down at the Coliseum. Defense has been very, very good and downright rotten at times this year. They, they've played well. I think I'll, I'll give them nine good quarters this year out of 16. Nine good quarters. The entire game against, against Northwestern, the entire game against Oregon, and the first quarter against USC. The other seven quarters, ooh, PU. So you, you've got a team right now that I think is, is still trying to figure itself out, trying to search for itself. That's not uncommon when you have a team that has as many youngsters in, in key roles as Stanford does on the offensive line and in the secondary in particular, and guys who are stepping into starting roles for the first time in their careers, in the wide receiver spot in particular, in the inside linebacker spot as well. It's still a feeling out process, and it might not, might not be solved for another couple of weeks or so. It might take until the bye week for everything to truly settle in for Stanford going forward. That being said, Oregon State's not a given. I didn't feel that way 
even before this week, right? I, I didn't feel – look, Corvallis, you, you, you should know. Stanford has, has had problems in Corvallis over the years. I can't remember the last time that Stanford walked out of the stadium, walked out of the research stadium and went, whoa, that was, that was kind of easy. I can't remember the last time that's been the case. It's always been tough for the Cardinal to get wins and to get positive results um, out of Oregon State, making that road trip. And I suspect this year is going to be much more of the same, a continuance of that trend. So it's not a given. It's not a given. And then you got Washington lurking the week after that. Still a chance for Stanford to get to 3-3 three and three by the bye week. That would be nice. But they must get a win this week against Oregon State. They must. We'll dive deeper into that matchup on the next TreeCast later on this week. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts and on Google Play. Follow me on Twitter. You got thoughts? I always welcome them, at Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity. Oh, I almost forgot. We need to go stock up, stock down. <laughs> it's our it's our kind of game ball and kind of our not-so-game ball uh, that we hand out um, every single week here on the TreeCast. So let's start by going stock up. Stock up. Let's go Andrew Pritz. Let's go with that young man. And remember that, that he was a safety when he started his Cardinal career. And heading into spring ball 2018, he went to the coaches and said, hey, move me to inside linebacker. I'd like to make a switch. And the coaches said, cool, let's do it. And Pritz thrust into a starting role this year due to the, due to the lack of, of depth, really, and experience, certainly, at, at inside linebacker. And Pritz playing alongside Curtis Robinson. And Pritz left the game against UCF with an injury. I was surprised to see him on the depth chart at all last week against Oregon. And he played pretty well. Eight tackles, co-leader for Stanford in that respect. And, and really helped to limit and bottle up that Oregon rushing attack. That was fun to see. And also of note, he and Curtis Robinson were at inside linebacker. They were the tandem for the entirety of that game. And of course, options behind those two right now are, are pretty threadbare. I think it's Tristan Sinclair and that's it. That's it. No Ricky Miazon, no Jacob Magnum Ferrar. Those guys are not available due to injury. Uh, Ryan Beecher also got banged up against UCF, by the way. I don't think we mentioned that at the time. So for Andrew Pritz to perform the way that he did, <laughs> knowing that there's basically no one really behind him, stock up, Andrew Pritz. Keep it going. Let's go stock down. <laughs> Um, we're going to make this a team award, or at least a unit award. The entire Stanford passing attack, it just did not show up. And again, uh, maybe a lot of it was due to uh, the, the K.J. Costello banging his hand on, on a lineman's helmet early, very early in that game. But, you know, you throw 30 passes and gain only 120 yards, that's not good. That's not good enough. 16 completions for only 120 yards, that's not good enough. And Michael Wilson had nice moments, five catches for 61 yards. But for the most part, Stanford's passing attack was, was obsolete. Connor Weddington failed, couldn't really break tackles necessarily. And, and Colby Parkinson, zero catches. If you had told me that coming into this game, 
that, that, that Tucker Fisk would have more catches, one, than Kobe Parkinson would have, zero, I would have said, no, no way, no way. But that's what happened. That's what happened. Stanford needs to do something to get in gear with the passing attack. We talked about that earlier in the show. So stock down right now on the entire Stanford passing game. Receivers, quarterback, and pass protection, which was hit or miss. But specifically, the receivers and, unfortunately, the quarterback. I think he gets lumped in there as well. Okay, now we can wrap up the show. I can't believe I almost forgot to go stock up, stock down there. <laughs> uh, next recast will likely come your way either on Thursday afternoon or perhaps Friday morning as uh, we'll start to look ahead towards the Oregon State Beavers. Always tough to go to Corvallis. Never easy. And it probably won't be easy this time around for Stanford either. We'll figure it out together on the next edition of the TreeCast. Uh, thanks to our guests who joined us post-game. K.J. Costello, the Stanford quarterback. Willie Ganchuan, the Stanford safety. And Jovan Swan, the Stanford defensive tackle. And also you heard from David Shaw as well. Of course, thank you most of all to you for checking us out on the show. Follow me on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. And subscribe, rate, and review the show on Google Play and Apple Podcasts. We will see you next time. Don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And we'll check you out on the next episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clary. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.